Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bill, how are you doing today? Happy Halloween. I'm doing great. Uh, I should say the same to you. And of course, it—it uh, uh, it is. this is the first time I can remember in a long, long time that Halloween has actually fallen on a Saturday. And of course, so this is a big day for a lot of folks for a lot of different reasons. It uh, is. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're... It, Halloween's a little bit different this year for the Well, Indians. it is. So, uh, well, uh, and from my own perspective, I, I hope uh, that the kids uh, have a lot of fun and they somehow they stay safe. Uh, the good news is most of them would be wearing masks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so point. Let me, let me put it to you. Uh, you have young children. Uh, what are you and your wife planning for Halloween tonight? You know, we're skipping the the usual trick or treat activities. Uh, it's not something that we're excited about. We really love to be out there, but we're going to play it safe. We're going to do some fun things inside around the house, and we're still going to buy a pile of candy. So we're okay. we're going to make it fun. Okay, so you're substituting for having to run from one house to the next. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, one of one of the things uh, that has disappointed uh, me is, is over the years is the fact that we live in a neighborhood where the houses, it's an older neighborhood with one acre lot, so the houses are not that close to each other. So guess what? Nobody trick-or-treats in our neighborhood because they can go a, you know, less than a mile away and be in the neighborhoods where the houses are 15 feet uh, between <laughs> each other, which makes them ripe for Halloween and going from one house to the next. I mean, you can... Within five minutes, you can hit 10 houses. <laughs> Quantity is, is the way to go on Halloween. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it, this Halloween, it will be uh, really, really important for the kids to stay safe. And so, obviously, the parents have a lot to figure out on how to make that happen. But this is a big day for a lot of other reasons, too, uh, Jason, and, and that is... Uh, well, I will ask you, have you already voted? I have taken care of my early voting. It Good man. It didn't take that long. I went over to the uh, Wake Tech North Campus, and I buzzed through there in probably about 10 minutes. Well, I, you know, I, I voted on Monday and uh, had the same experience. Uh, basically, there were only a few people in front of me. I think the folks who voted early the first week, uh, they had really long lines. And, you know, we see pictures of, of other states where the lines are, you know, one, two. They were even talking about eight-hour lines uh, in some states. And, uh, you know, North Carolina's done a pretty good job of early voting. But if you don't realize it, today, October 31st, Halloween, is the last day of early voting. So... Um, the bottom line is, if it, it would, I suspect it'll be a whole lot easier to vote today than it will be on Tuesday, because that's where everybody who hadn't voted yet has to find a way yep. to vote, and I suspect the lines will be extremely long on Tuesday. So. Uh, for those ladies whose husbands are watching the football games, and of course this is another big football day uh, for college football, uh, you know, while the husbands are watching the football, you might as well get out there and vote, <laughs> and then tell him to go and vote after the game. So, 
Uh, let's see. I'm not. I think the polls close at seven. Is that right? I believe that. I don't right. want to be given bad information. Double check. So that. double check. Make sure that uh, that your early voting site, because uh, if you're there before the early voting site closes, you should be able to to uh, vote. Uh, as, as if you're in line, that is. I think that's the way it works. So, uh, you know, another, you know, obviously this is a big day for a lot of reasons. And, of course, there's some good football games out there today, too, uh, this afternoon. Uh, but uh, there's another reason that today is a big day. Uh, I mean, it's hard to stack it on top of all these other things that are – so important to folks uh and and you know halloween is an important holiday for a lot of folks <laughs> so you'd be surprised uh how many folks really enjoy halloween and the fact that uh um that, that for some halloween's their favorite holiday not for me but it it's uh, you know it's it's kind of thing where uh, there, there are just lots and lots of folks that love to to do that. And the truth is, with the election around the corner, there's there's reasons for for this to be a scary time anyway. <laughs> 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 the good news, no matter what, is that by the middle of next week, we won't have to put up with all those dang commercials that just. I mean, I hate those commercials. All of them are, you know, half lies, half truths. They're none of them are really helpful, and they're, you know, they're all misleading. And it just, I'm so tired uh, <laughs> of all of those political commercials. Uh, you know, next week will be a time of celebration, regardless of who wins the election, just to be rid of all of those commercials. That will be wonderful. Now, the TV stations and radio stations will probably be crying from <laughs> lack of revenue, but uh, that's okay. Uh, now, the other reason that this is a big day, as far as I'm concerned, is from a planning perspective. This is the last day of the beginning of the year. In other words, uh, it's the last day. To inter I mean, it's the first day of the end of the year. Let me put it that way. The first day of the end of the year. So in essence, we've got two months. And there's a lot of different things that people need to think about and accomplish. I mean, most of us think, let's wait till the beginning of the year, and then we'll put in our, our goals for the year and do our planning then. Well, what I'm saying to folks is the fact that in this particular year, that may be a very, very bad mistake, because there are a lot of things that are going on potentially with the tax code, and there's also a lot of things going on with the CARES Act uh, that a lot of folks know about in terms of the things that you need to think about how it's going to impact you uh, next year. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that need to be done by many different families, or at least to know that it's out there and they need to factor it into their planning for the remaining part of this year and uh, and what will be uh, their consequences 
next year. So important. Uh, and I suspect we're ready to take a break. <laughs> but when we come back, I, I really want to get into some of the things that folks need to be uh, considering uh, and the things that they need to do before the end of the year. Excellent. Well, we'll get into that. Reminder, you can always find information about Bill online at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. That's where you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Maybe you want to do some planning on your own. You can go to WGALaw.com to view all the services that Bill provides. You can also click on the Seminars button to register for the seminars coming up on November 11th, Wednesday, November 11th. Be sure to register for free for Bill's seminars if you're interested in learning more about long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning, WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bill, uh, before uh, we took a break there, we were talking about this being the beginning of the end of the year and the implications that that may have for our planning as well as uh, the impact of uh, some of the, some things beginning to sunset with the CARES Act. Exactly. Well, the, the first uh, thing I want to mention uh, for the families that it affects is, is really the most important thing. And I've mentioned it before, but it's so important. I think it's important um, that I mention it again. And, and that is for those high-wealth families. Now, you know, what's the defini- definition of high-wealth? Uh, it really has to do uh, with... Um, uh, if you have a potentially taxable estate upon death. And so how much is that? Well, we don't know. That's the problem. Um, and so clearly anyone with an estate in the range of 9 or $10 million or more for a married couple uh, need advanced planning, not just your basic, what used to be called the old A-B trust type planning, but you've got a bigger problem that you may be able to do something about now that avoids a state tax, that is death tax, uh, for your children. Now, death tax doesn't apply to you or your spouse because there's no tax when you die and everything goes to your spouse, if everything goes to your spouse. But the tax occurs when it goes to your children or grandchildren. And and so um, what a lot of folks have to understand, and I've been trying to educate folks on this for the last few weeks, but uh, here's the deal. When the tax reductions were put in place two years ago, you had reductions, uh, small reductions in income tax, and you had large in, uh, uh, increase in exemptions, reductions in tax for estate tax. Uh, the maximum income tax rate for those folks making lots of money uh, in each year as far as their income was reduced more than it's ever been before. Um, most middle-class folks also got a small reduction, uh, uh, typically 1%. 
but we also lost exemptions. For, so uh, most middle-class taxpayers actually were fairly neutral in terms of, uh, of the amount of tax paid. Um, but the fact is this, and this is the part that a lot of folks don't realize. You know, when all of these stupid commercials say we'll increase or we're not going to increase taxes, the fact is is that when the Tax Act was was passed, um, it already included an automatic reduction in um, in, in, in other words, it. When it reduced our taxes, it also included an automatic increase in taxes because when the Tax Act was passed, they knew, the Congress knew, that the reduction in our taxes would increase our deficit, and it would not, that is our national deficit that has grown like crazy, and um, it was not sustainable. So what they do? They put an automatic increase to back to where it was two years ago. Uh, and so um, uh, that is something that's already in the law. Well, with the political uh, winds shifting, uh, quite frankly, those automatic uh, increases in taxes may be implemented sooner because what's happened in the interim is COVID-19, and we've had even increased in deficit spending. So what the one thing that we do know for the high-wealth families is that they, if they don't use their gift tax exemption this year, which happens to be $11.58 million, that's a pretty significant gift there, um, if they don't use it this year, they lose it. Uh, or potentially lose it. They will clearly lose it when the existing law uh, increases the taxes and it goes back to where it was two years ago. But um, if there is a great probability, or at least possibility, that the uh, increases will take place next year rather than a couple years later. So the fact is, is that what we do know is you, you, you're taking a huge gamble if you don't use the exemption that you have this year. And then you say, well, okay, it's huge now. It, it clearly doesn't affect me because we don't have an estate that large. Well, the fact is, if you're married and you have uh, an estate in the neighborhood of 9 or $10 million and, and you have some years left of life expectancy, then more than likely the reduction in the exemption will have a significant impact on your children and grandchildren. And, so, and the same thing is true for a single person that has no intention of marrying or remarrying, but if they have an estate that's over three and a half somewhere between three and a half and five million dollars, then doing some advanced planning now would potentially uh, 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 I mean either eliminate or reduce significantly any estate tax paid by their children or grandchildren. So uh, or whoever they give their money to, unless it's charity. If you, if you give your money to charity, no big deal. But uh, for those who don't do that, it's important. Now, there are a number of things that apply to uh, those of us who are not what you would consider high-wealth families. 
Um, and so th- these other things that I want to talk about has more to do with things in the law that exist this year because of the CARES Act that uh, people need to be thinking about and planning for in terms of next year. Uh, so I suspect uh, you're ready to move on with another break. So let me get to the CARES Act when uh, and those things that people really need to know about no matter what their net worth is. That's great. We will get to that in just a bit. I want to remind everyone, go to WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also view all the services that he provides, and you can register for the seminars happening on Wednesday, November 11th. Wednesday, November 11th is your next chance to register for free online for Bill's seminars covering uh, long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. Or you can call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm Jason Kong. Happy to be alongside Bill, and we're talking about it's the beginning of the end of the year, and that means uh, implications for our planning. And with that, Bill, uh, several uh, aspects were included in the CARES Act passed by Congress when the coronavirus uh, was starting to uh, hit the country here. The pandemic was in its early stages, and with that, there were um some benefits to a lot of people, but many of those benefits are set to sunset here when the year concludes. Absolutely. So uh, some of the things that um, folks need to be thinking about and uh, inputting into their planning for next year has to has to do with paying income tax. In other words, they've gotten a lot of relief this year but they're going to get big surprises next year. Okay, so what am I talking about? Well, a lot of folks, most of us, received uh, that $1,200 rebate per person. You know, all the taxpayers received that. Did you get one? I did. Well, I did too. Uh, And then you probably also got, because you have two young children, so you got an extra $500 per child, or you should have. Well, one was born this year, so ah, we did not get. So a you check just for that got one. the five hundred, not the thousand. Okay, right. so here's the bad news. All right, so you got twenty four hundred for you and your wife, and then you got five hundred, so you got twenty nine hundred dollars. Surprise! That's taxable income. Oh, the, okay. the government that, Bill. <laughs> so I just want you to be aware that uh, that money is considered a tax refund, and tax refunds are taxable. So wanted to make sure that uh, you knew about that. Uh, the same thing is true for all of those folks who got the extra $600 in unemployment benefits, your you know, uh, though that $600 a week in extra compensation provided by the federal government for unemployment benefits, that, again, is taxable income. And guess what? 
you know, folks have not uh, – nothing has been um, withheld in terms of your receiving that money. So the reason I'm telling folks this, and of course those folks who enjoyed unemployment benefits, and that's a terrible thing for me to say when I say enjoyed because the fact is they were desperate when they lost their jobs. But the point is is that um, you know, uh, folks who were receiving unemployment benefits uh, may have received an extra five or ten thousand dollars in employ- unemployment benefits with no withholding. So come next April fifteenth, they're going to owe a pretty big income tax bill. So there's going to be a whole lot of folks who are pretty unhappy with the fact that they have to pay a bunch of income tax next year because they received all of these taxable benefits this year. So, uh, you know, I want to put the Halloween scare (laughs) into folks because it's important for them to know about that. Now, the other things, uh, some of the other things that are really important for folks to understand is that the CARES Act allow folks who had COVID-19 issues, and it might have been medical issues, it might have been the fact that they lost their job, uh, and they were under 59 and a half, but they had a retirement plan that they could, uh, where there was money. Well, the CARES Act allows uh, this year for anyone to to draw up to out of their retirement plan as long as the withdrawal is related to COVID-19. And that, to me, would either be a health issue or an employment issue where your income was reduced significantly because you couldn't earn as much money or you just lost your job. Um, But up to $100,000, a penalty-free. But penalty-free does not mean tax-free. Okay, it just means you don't pay that 10% penalty. Now, anybody over 59 and a half would not have that penalty anyway. You can take anybody over 59 and a half can take as much out of a retirement plan as they want. Um, and of course, uh, most folks should know that the CARES Act also increased the age for the folks uh, before you have to take a minimum required distribution. In other words, before you're required to take a distribution or pay a 50% penalty for not taking what's required to be taken. So, duh, you got to take it. Uh, And they increased that age from 70 and a half to 72. Uh, Now, there's some exceptions for that, and folks need to understand to make darn sure that they don't fall into the exception uh, but uh, for most folks, it simply increases their, uh, the age where they have to take the minimum required uh, distribution. Um, now, and so um, this year, 2020, the government also waived the requirement for anyone to take the required minimum distribution. So for seniors out there, who are uh, in that boat, 72 or older, uh, or already taking minimum required distributions, the question is, should you not take your required minimum distribution? 
Well, here it is. I can't say, because it doesn't apply to everybody, but what folks have to recognize is that most seniors are better off taking at least their required minimum distribution this year, even though it's not required. Because if they don't take it this year, guess what the government has done? They've put it on you for next year. So if you don't take it this year, you have to take the 2020 distribution and the 2021 distribution in 2021. So you've got a double required minimum distribution. And there's another kicker here, too, that favors the government if you don't take it this year. And that is, if you lose your spouse between now and then, you know, and so now you're single, you have to take double distributions for yourself and your spouse all next year in 2021. And guess what? When you're single, your tax rate is likely to go up and your tax deductions have been cut in half. <laughs> so again, unless it's clear that you're better off not taking your distribution this year after having consulted your CPA and the like, remember that for most of us, going ahead and taking your distribution before the end of this year is a no-brainer. <laughs> Does that make sense? That does make sense. Those are some good tips that we need to be aware of as uh, the end of the year approaches. Do I have time for one more? Let's get in another one. This is really important, okay, because all of those folks who have taken the the uh, uh, CARES Act loans, you know, a lot of small businesses and some darn big businesses, too, have taken these loans. But I'm really talking to the small business owners that have been struggling, okay? Because, um, you know, a lot of the businesses may have received, you know, dollars $75,000, in these um, uh, in, in these loans uh, that have been extremely helpful. Now, don't misunderstand. I, I'm not against the loans. I think the loans have been critical for so many small business folks. But... Again, what you have to understand is this. The forgiveness of the loan is a taxable event. So what does that mean? Let's say that you've received a $75,000 loan from the government that is uh, later this year, hopefully, forgiven. Well, it's been like money, uh, you know, manna from heaven to keep your business open. But guess what? Next year, the bill comes due because every penny of that $75,000, again, will be considered taxable income. When a debt is forgiven, that's income. And so guess what? Uh, none of the withhold – I mean, there's not been any withholding, so guess what? You're going to owe tax on every penny that the government has loaned to you and then forgiven. So it's manna from heaven this year, and next year you're going to be so mad as a hornet that you've got a huge tax bill to pay, and how in the heck are you going to pay it? So you better be making plans for how you're going to pay your taxes next year – 
And this has nothing to do with the potential increase in in income taxes that's already written into the law or anything else. These are basically CARES Act, manna from heaven this year, and it's the exact opposite next year when the tax bill comes due. Man, that's uh, something that I think a lot of small business owners need to be prepared for because, as you said, that could be a big shock once tax time rolls around. If you want to find more information about Bill, be sure to go to WGALaw.com. Bill has some new seminars coming up on Wednesday, November 11th. WGALaw.com is where you can go to register for free by clicking on the Seminars button. You can also call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. Thanks so much for joining us. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, you have a a list of some definitions that you'd like to go over. You want to uh, uh, kind of explain your thinking on this. This is interesting. Well, while folks are licking their wounds from their potential tax liabilities next year that nobody has been thinking about except me, uh, (laughs) uh, I I want to uh, just go into a different direction altogether about some planning uh, scenarios and uh, things that I think think are somewhat important to folks. Um, but, but I think it's fun to start out with um, how do you define certain things? And so, um, uh, Jason, I'll, I'll throw, throw it out to you. How would you define, uh, in your mind, someone who is, quote, rich? <laughs> Boy, rich. Um, I, you're not looking for a number. You're just looking for a well, Mike, it scenario. Could be a number. Yeah, I mean, it could be however you would define someone who is rich. Uh, rich, I've, I would define as uh, not needing to work anymore for the rest of your life and to not have to worry about outspending what you have. Uh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to get on your case now because I think that's a quote from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that came from. I knew that sounded familiar. That's where that came from. All right. But the thing about it is there are very few people that I know of who actually consider themselves rich. And it really comes down to outlook. And the fact is almost all Americans, even those who uh, are um, uh, have very, very little uh would be considered rich in most parts of the world. I mean, you know, there's so many places in the world, most places, a lot of places in Africa, in Asia, particularly South Asia, India, um, uh, parts of China, um, uh, not so much in the Western world uh, so much, but in the rest of the world where people work for a dollar an hour or or their you know their annual income is only a few hundred dollars a year um, you know almost all of us as Americans at least we have um, we have running water 
that's relatively clean. <laughs> you know, in most areas, we can actually drink the water that comes out of, of our plumbing. Uh, we have shelter. Uh, we may not have air conditioning, but almost all of us have adequate heat, uh, under, uh, and most of us have air conditioning. Uh, we have food that's readily available, um, uh, you know, and uh, so there are a lot of things, even for those folks who have very little in the United States, um, that would be considered well-to-do in many, many, many parts of the country. But without saying that, I mean, most of us in the, in the United States are, in fact, doing pretty good. In other words, we're living well. Um, but like I said, most of us would never consider ourselves rich. We, almost all of us, consider ourselves middle class. Would you consider your family middle class? I would. And I would too. But the fact is that even those families who have accumulated four or five million dollars, that even lots of Americans would say, oh, that family's rich. Well, the folks who've done that and have saved all of their lives and, and lived modestly, they don't think of themselves as rich. They think of themselves as well-off or, or have done well, but not rich. Uh, and I don't blame them as far as that goes. But how about when you get up a little bit? And, I'm, I, of course, I'm also not talking about those folks who are rich in other ways other than monetarily. You know, those of us who have good health are rich in that sense. Those of us who have a wonderful family are rich in that sense. So there, uh, there are lots of other ways to be rich that's sometimes more important than money uh, and often more important than money. But the fact is, is that uh, money does help. <laughs> Doesn't make you happy, but it certainly uh, can allow you to live comfortably. And so, um, but the, the, almost all of my clients who have a nice nest egg in the neighborhood of three, four, five million dollars, uh, they don't think they think of themselves as still middle class. And uh, but those folks in that category typically have a number of friends who may have ten million dollars or more in net worth, and they may think of their friends as being rich, but they certainly don't think of themselves. And then. When you get to those folks with a net worth of $10 million, they, may, they again don't think of themselves as rich. They think of themselves as doing extremely well, but they have lots of friends in their uh, neighborhood or otherwise who have a net worth of you know, $20, 25000000 million. And again, uh, so it's not that they're rich. Their friends or neighbors might be rich while they're still just well-to-do upper-middle-class families. And so it really comes down to attitude as to uh, and perspective as, as to where that line is drawn. And so what you said is my definition of rich, and that is where your wealth is such that you work because you want to work, not because you need to work to sustain your lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle is. Uh, and so uh, some of us uh, have lifestyles that are very modest, and others have mo lifestyles that are way up there. <laughs> and so if you have enough 
money to sustain that lifestyle without working, then okay. I, I think that is my definition of someone who is is actually rich by any standard whatsoever. Um, so here's another one. What is successful? What's your definition of successful? Oh, that's a tough one, Bill. Uh, <laughs> successful, I would say... Uh, Man, I don't know how exactly I would define that. Maybe uh, being in the top 5% of your field in terms of earnings. I, I don't know. That's that's hard to define. Uh, well, you're right. Uh, but again, I think be, having being successful has more to do with, again, your outlook than it does any clear definition. And so success, I think, is defined by uh, the person who um, um, uh, who was talking about it. Uh, you know, one of the funny things for me, uh, because uh, I, as a young person, I was, um, you know, I, I was eaten up about doing extremely well, being successful, and I had a gauge for it. You know, I, I had uh, in the classroom, the gauge were grades. So if you made extremely good grades, you you had that, you know, success gauge right there. Uh, if you uh, were an athlete, you know, your success on the football field or the basketball court uh, or the tennis court or the baseball field or volleyball or whatever it was, again, your success would be defined by – uh, were you in the starting lineup, and how well did you do, and and those kind of things. So it's pretty well to gauge. But once you get out of school and you start a job, uh, it there, you don't have those automatic gauges. And and one of the sad things about life is that um, is that sometimes money is the gauge uh, as opposed to uh, other things in life that are so important in terms of family uh, and um, health and things of, of that nature. Um, and so uh, you might be right. It might be that you're considered by your peers uh, to be uh, up there, uh, but how long does it take before you can be rated like that for most of us those kind of things come towards the end of our career if you will rather than at near the beginning of it for sure so hard to gauge those kind of things so it really comes down to success i think is defined by the person who is accusing you of being successful <laughs> in other words and i think the outlook might be if the person is doing better than the person who's saying that you're successful, that's success in the eyes of the person who has said it. Even though you may be struggling and maybe you don't consider yourself successful, but you're still successful in the eyes of, of the person. Now, the reason that has just hit me all of a sudden is because I had a uh, conversation with a client who um, had a, a nice estate, two children. Uh, the man was uh, single, uh, but he had uh, two children, uh, and he had a reasonably nice estate uh, somewhere 
in the neighborhood of about a million dollars. And I think he considered himself lucky and successful, um, the fact that he had accumulated that over his lifetime and he was doing his planning for his children and grandchildren. Well, what surprised me was his, his first statement, and, and I knew uh, one of his children uh, fairly well, uh, was both of my children are very successful. They don't need my help at all. So I want to leave my entire estate to my grandchildren. Now, what interested me about this was because the, the man clearly did not grow up. He, he basically was what I call the millionaire next door. He had accumulated, saved, lived modestly, invested in real estate uh, successfully, uh, income-producing rental real estate. And uh, the fact that he wanted to leave his children out of his estate completely shocked me. I mean, and it wasn't because his children were estranged or because he didn't have a really good relationship with both of his children. He did. I mean, the fact is, the reason that he was willing to leave his children out of his estate was because he considered them both successful. Okay? Now, I tried to convince him otherwise, I, you know, because I knew that his children were doing well, but were not pulling down the kind of money that uh, where an inheritance from their dad would not have me- been meaningful and significant uh, to them. Uh, but he's the boss, and so I, I love to do trust-based planning. He wanted to do a trust for his grandchildren with all of his resources, and so that's what we're doing. I mean, you have to understand that advice is simply that, but the client is the boss. So whatever the client wants is what you get, and that's what we're doing for him. But I still hope he changes his mind. He, he still has a lot of life expectancy and, and the like. But the fact now, why is that important to me as a planner in terms of and why I think this particular client may be making a mistake not to um, create a trust for his children with the remaining any remaining property over to his grandchildren, which is the kind of trust based planning that I do all of the time for most of my clients. in, in almost every case where I have a family that's well-to-do and want to do revocable trust-based planning, uh, most clients want their, um, uh, their legacy to go to their children, and they want it protected in the hands of their children. So as a result, a very typical asset protection plan that I create for clients would be a revocable trust for the parents. That's one where they can control it completely. It's flexible. They can change it at any time. Uh, you know, everything is considered their own. Well, that's the kind of plan that we can do something for the children and grandchildren. And I know that we have to take a break. So when we come back, I want to talk how that works and why it's so important to people. If you want to find more information about Bill, maybe you want to attend his asset protection and trust planning seminar for free, go online to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. Next one is happening on Wednesday, November 11th. 
wgalaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, you had a a couple final thoughts for us. Well, some folks may be uh, wondering why I think it was a mistake to leave out the children. I really believe that all of our children who are anybody who's under 40, child or grandchild, will struggle in retirement unless they receive a significant inheritance. And that's because it's so difficult for them to save money. And in for them in retirement, they're going to have to have saved enough money for all of their expenses because at that point, Social Security will be paying for so little. But the other thing that I want to leave with folks is the fact that with trust-based planning, you can create a lifetime asset protection trust for your children that they can control, and then what's left in that trust does not go to their spouse. The trust protects them from a divorce, from a car crash. It protects them from other creditors. And then what's left in that trust can go to your grandchildren rather than to their spouse at their death. That's a huge blessing for so many families with a legacy. That kind of customization is something that uh, it's, it's hard to get, but it's available through trust planning, and that's why you should see Bill. Go to WGALaw.com to schedule an appointment, or maybe you want to attend Bill's seminars, one dealing with long-term care assistance and the other dealing with asset protection and trust planning, which we've been spending uh, much of the second half of the show talking about. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button or call 919-256-7000, 919 919- Two five six seven thousand. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next week. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend. <music>